Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Everybody, thank you for worshiping with us today. Man, we are kicking off uh, a, a new chapter here at Cornerstone. It's crazy. It's crazy that this is here. It feels like there's been so much lead time leading up to this day that it still isn't exactly feeling real <laughs> quite yet. Um, but man, uh, the first thing I want to do in my first uh, uh, sermon as lead pastor is I want to thank everyone who came before us, Pastor Brenda, Pastor Charlie, everyone who helped build Cornerstone into what it is. Anything that we do as a church, anything that we do as a church is because we are standing on your shoulders. That's it. We are standing on your shoulders and we are so thankful for everything that you guys have done. Uh, man, I got to tell you, it was hard thinking of a topic to talk about for my first sermon. Like that's just kind of a difficult thing to try to think of. Uh, Pastor Brenda went through something similar, uh, way harder, but something similar last week. Um, I was talking with her as she was preparing her sermon and she was like, man, this is hard. I've got like a year's worth of content that I'm trying to fit into one sermon. Like this is so difficult trying to figure out what to leave in and, and what to talk about. And so in a small way, I can relate because I'm like, man, what in the world? do I talk about for the first week? Like, what, what do we discuss? What do we talk about? And so I was thinking and I was praying and a few weeks back, uh, it, it kind of hit me. And the reason it hit me was because as uh, Pastor Brenda was leaving and getting her stuff out of uh, her office after I was kicking her out and evicting her <laughs> from her office, uh, as she's getting stuff out of there, uh, one of the things that she wanted to leave, there's a, a, a painting of Moses and it's called Moses's Blessing. Uh, and she wanted to leave it for me. Uh, and it's, it's a beautiful picture. It's uh, Moses blessing the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, blessing Joshua, his right-hand man, who's getting ready to take over. Uh, and she wanted to give it to me uh, kind of in a symbolic way because Pastor Brenda has always kind of seen herself, and we as a staff have seen her as kind of like our Moses for a while. She's someone who has led Cornerstone through, through the good times and the bad times, through the, through the mountain high and the valley low. Like she has been there through all of it. And uh, so as I was getting this picture and I'm looking at it, I'm like, that's it. Like that's, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to be talking about, um, you know, the, the promise of God and what, what God has in store for us, the, the, the symbolic promised land, right? The symbolic land of milk and honey that God has in store for Cornerstone Church and what it's going to take for us to get there. Because I fully believe, I fully believe that there is milk and honey there are good things in our future as a church, but let's not be deceived. There are giants and wolves in the land too. There are giants and wolves. There is opposition, there is conflict, there is struggle that we're going to have to go through to get to God's promise for our life. I don't know about you, I'm ready to fight though. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm ready to take down some giants and wolves, anything else that gets in my way. So if you're ready, let's bow our heads and let's pray together real quick, all right? Heavenly Father, God, we are so thankful 
for all that you have done at Cornerstone Church, for the 40 years of ministry that has happened here, the lives that have been changed, and God, we're excited for the next 40. We're excited through what you're gonna do in the years to come. We're believing great things, God. We know that there is a land of milk and honey that you're calling us to, uh, of lives being changed, of Jesus being made more famous in the Northeast Ohio area, and we wanna be a part of it. So God, strengthen us, strengthen us as your church to be able to accept that challenge, and we'll be sure to give you and you alone, all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And everybody said in agreement, amen, amen. Well, hey, if you're a note taker, do we have note takers? Anybody online? If you're a note taker, I wanna see your hand up. I'm a, note, I'm a note taker, I love taking notes. If you're a note taker, today's sermon, today's sermon is check your connection. Check your connection, that is the title of today's sermon. And uh, connection is an important thing, right? It's a very important thing. It's something that um, we've all been dying for in the midst of this pandemic. Like people are, are just like going crazy because they don't have connection with people. We're only seeing like a third of people's faces. And so we're just longing for that connection. Connection is so critical. Um, it's, it's a very critical thing, especially whenever it comes to like technology and electronics, things like that. Connection is vital. Um, so for example, we, we had a staff retreat this last week. Uh, and one of the things that was awesome, there was an indoor basketball court, right? And so we played basketball. It was awesome. Me, Owen, Donnie, Maddie got involved. Maddie got involved. It was awesome. We had a great time playing. One thing that was a huge bummer though, after it was over, I realized I hadn't connected to my workout app to like let it register that we were playing basketball. I, yeah, Owen's like, oh gosh, man. I know, it is so aggravating, especially for me, my personality. I was like, are you kidding me? So now I'm gonna have to, for an hour, take this off and like shake it to try to like cheat register my workout because that's just, that's how I am. Like it, it, it bothered me. So because I didn't connect, there was no connection to that app, that was just a waste, right? Connection is important. Um, my car this last week, I, my battery it finally gave up the ghost, but before it did, um, I was trying to turn the key over, nothing would start, uh, open up the hood, and man, the corrosion, like on the terminals, you know what I mean? That like little acidic buildup that gets there, all that powder, it was so bad. Uh, I cleaned it off, and even though the battery was going bad, it like actually started up for me for a few more days before I finally just had to buy a new battery, right? Uh, but it restarted for me. And it was just because the connection was bad. Because the connection was bad, the car wouldn't turn over and the engine wouldn't start. Uh, another connection that's in vital, a connection to a, a cell network. We, me and my wife Jessica, we just recently, uh, this last week, we uh, upgraded our iPhones. Like our iPhones, we've had them. We've had them through the life of the contract. We were able to upgrade and so we decided to upgrade. And what we did, since we've already paid off our phones, was we were like, okay, we'll keep them. We'll wipe them clean and we'll keep them for like, we'll put, you know, kids apps and educational apps, stuff like that on them. So the girls, whenever they have screen time, they use those rather than our brand new phones, right? Like we'll, we'll let them use those ones. And so we did that. We like cleared the phones off and everything. And the kids were ecstatic. Like they were like, this is so great. We got phones. We're like, well, you've got phones whenever we allow you to have phones. These aren't just like going with you at all times. But they're like, no, oh, this is so cool. We have phones. But one of the first things that Eden wanted to know, my, Eden's my oldest. She was like, wait, wait, I can make phone calls on this? I can make phone calls? I'm like, well, no, no, you can't. <laughs> you cannot make phone calls on this. It's not connected to a cell network. Like it has Wi-Fi, but it's not connected to a cell network anymore. And you can just see the like, oh man. I'm like, look, you're just now getting an iPhone. I don't want to hear any complaints, right? Like you've got a phone that you can play on. So I don't want to hear nothing out of you. <laughs> 
But man, connection, it is so important. Connection to a network, connection to a power source, connection to an app. Connection is a critical, critical thing. And connection is what we're gonna be studying today from God's word as we kick off this series, Milk and Honey, Giants and Wolves. What we're gonna be doing is, not just today, but in the weeks to come, we're gonna be focusing on two different sections of scripture. We're gonna be looking at Numbers 13 and Luke 10. Numbers 13 and Luke 10, this is one story from the Old Testament, one story from the New Testament. These are stories that I've actually, as I was studying on this uh, a sermon series, uh, I like to look at different commentaries and, and different theologians for help. Uh, I actually didn't see anyone really connect these two verses, so we're going into a little bit of uncharted territory on this. So hopefully the connections make sense, right? You see what I did there? Hopefully the connections make sense. But I'm excited. What we are going to be doing today is checking our connection. We're going to be checking our connection. So if you are ready, I want to see you put it in uh, the chat. Time for my checkup, right? Time for my check. Now all I can hear is Doc McStuffins. That's the life of a dad. Time for a checkup. (laughs) But we're going to be starting in Numbers 13. Let me give you just real quick background uh, before we jump in. So what has happened uh, before uh, this passage that we're going to be reading is God's people, the Israelite nation, they were enslaved in the nation of Egypt. They were slaves. God heard his people's cries, decided, you know what, I'm going to set them free. I'm going to get this, them out of this persecution. And so he raises up a man named Moses. He tells Moses, hey, look, Moses, I'm going to empower you to free my people. And so that's exactly what happens. Uh, through some coaxing, Moses decides to follow God, trust him at his word. He goes to Egypt. He performs signs and wonders through the power that God has given him. Eventually gets the release uh, of the Israelite nation from the nation of Egypt. Uh, they make a dare escape through the Red Sea, like walking through dry ground on the Red Sea, and they make it to the other side of the coast where they are now a free nation. They are free of the yoke of slavery, but things are really just now getting started because they're out of Egypt, but now they're in the wilderness. So they're not in the promised land yet, right? God has told them, hey, I'm going to be giving you this land. I'm going to be giving you this land that's the land of Canaan. This is going to be where you're going to build your nation. And through you guys, through your nation, what I'm going to do is I am actually going to bless all the nations of the world. You will be a blessing to everybody once you get to where you're going. But again, they're not there yet. Doesn't that sound like us? <laughs> not In so many ways, as a church, we're not where we were, but we're not where we want to be. Whenever we look at us ourselves as people, we're, we're not where we were, but not where we want to be. And that is the story of the nation of Israel. They're not where they were. They're not in slavery anymore, but they're not where they should be, but they're getting close. And that's where we pick up in Numbers 13. This is what it says, starting in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestor tribe send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. Then we're going to skip ahead down to verse 17. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or are they fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and they explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob toward Lebo Hamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron where Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. I hope you guys are taking really good notes. There will be a test after service today. <laughs> 
When they reached the valley of Eshcol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them. That will show you how large this cluster was that two of them had to carry it, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. So 40 days they're in there. They're scouting this place out and they've got the report. And this is what happens when they come back to camp. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite uh, community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. It does. God, exactly what you said. It's as good as you said it would be. Here is its fruit. But, but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites and the Klingons and the Sith live near the sea. That's, I'm just, I was seeing who was like actually paying attention and who was taking, <laughs> live near the sea along the Jordan. So they're given this bad report and then Caleb speaks up. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, no, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread a bad report among the Israelites about the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. They're giants. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Now, what I really want us to pull away here and fully understand in this moment. So this scouting party, these men that were chosen to go scout out the land of Canaan, scout out the land that God had promised to the Israelites, these men, all this is taking place about a year and a half. Whenever we look at scripture, this is about a year and a half after uh, uh, the, the Israelites get their freedom and they cross the Red Sea. About a year and a half later, this happens. So what's that mean? That means the men who saw giants, the men who gave a bad report saying, man, these guys are too big. We can't fight them. These walls, they're, they're huge. We can't go up against it. These guys are the very same men who saw rivers turn to blood. These are the same people who saw the sky turn dark. These are the same people who saw the Red Sea part. These are the people who walked across on dry land. These are the people who saw God's presence as a cloud during the day lead them and as a pillar of fire during the night lead them. And here in this moment, they see giants and go, no, 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 we can't. These guys are too big. Have you seen these walls? No, we can't go any further. Shocking, right? Shocking. It shouldn't be because this is the fact of the matter. While our God has complete power, too often his people live in complete paralysis. God has complete power, but we, his people, we, leave, we live completely paralyzed lives. We, we just we're, were in fear. That's what the Israelites did. They stopped moving. They stopped moving. They're like, God, we, we know that you want us to continue moving. Yeah, we made it out of Egypt and across the Red Sea and into the wilderness. But God, have you seen those giants? Have you seen those giants? And maybe that's you. Maybe you're saying, have you seen my giants? If, if you want to be honest and vulnerable, why don't you put that in the chat right now? Have you seen my giants? 
God, do you know what I'm going up against? God, I know what you're calling me to. I know the greater life you have in mind for me. I know, I know you want me to be a cheerful giver. You want me to be a blessing to people around me. You want, to, you want me to be someone who financially helps other people. But God, have you seen my giants? Have you seen my paycheck? Oh, you have? Good. Then you've probably seen my bills and you've seen my debt. So I, I, how's that work? <laughs> you, want me to be, you want me to be a cheerful giver. I can't give. God, have you seen my giants? God, you want me to be someone who lives, as Pastor Tani says, an integrated life. You want me to be someone who my faith is a part of everything I do, not just a facet of my life. But God, have you seen my giants? Man, my whole, my whole friends, my, my, my whole family, everybody, none of them are following Jesus. If I really start living out my faith in every area of my life, they're gonna think I'm weird. <laughs> they're gonna misunderstand me. Whenever I don't do the things they're doing, they're gonna think I'm judging them. I'm gonna stop getting calls to hang out with them on Friday and Saturday. Like, God, have you, have you seen my giants? Do you know what I'm up against? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just gonna stay right here. God, you may have complete power, but I'm paralyzed. I don't wanna move any further. Some of you, and I know this is, this is me too, you may be thinking like, who, God, I mean, really, yeah, milk and honey, that sounds great, that sounds awesome. I don't need great. I'm good with good enough. <laughs> I'm good with good enough. Milk and honey, the, the greater things you're calling me to, that's awesome, but milk, I got half and half, and honey, I got Splenda. Like, <laughs> I'm good over here. I'm good and good enough. I really don't need to try any harder. I am fine where I am at. And so like the Israelites, we stop moving, we, we get paralyzed, and we settle. We settle. Because when we hit opposition, just like the nation of Israel, we hit that opposition, and what happens is the opposition deflects our focus from God to the giants. It deflects our focus, and rather than focusing on God, we start focusing on the giants in our life. We stop following the God of greater, and we follow the giants of good enough. We're like, no, I'm fine right here. I'm fine in the good enough, and God's saying, I'm calling you to greater. I'm calling you to greater things. I'm calling you to things that you can't even dream of. But we're like, but man, if, if, if a greater marriage and a greater finances and a greater experience at school and greater habits and, and all these greater things, if to get those, I have to go through giants, I'm good. Because those giants are scary. Why don't you put that in the chat if you want to, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. Anyone out there? I've been scared. I've been scared these last couple months. Or you know what? This actually might bring more true now that we're in like month what, this has just felt like one long month. <laughs> but we're in month whatever of COVID-19. Maybe you're not tired. Maybe you're scared. Or maybe you're not scared. You're tired. You're not even scared. You're just like, I'm just tired. You're telling me that the greater God wants me to, to get to involves going through giants? Then nah, I'm good. I'm tired, man. I'm tired of all the opposition. I don't want any more fights. Every time I open up my, my social media, it's a fight. Every time I look anywhere in the world right now, it's a fight. COVID-19 is a fight and I'm tired. Like, I don't wanna do this anymore. I, I can't see the people I love. I can't do the things I wanna do. Man, I, 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 it, my whole world is upended. I've gotta homeschool my kids now. Like, I've gotta become a teacher while I'm also doing other work. Like, this is insane. There's civil unrest all over the world. Just, and you're telling me there's more opposition? You're telling me I have to go through giants? No. No, I'm good. I'm too tired for that. I'm too scared for that. That's too much for me. 
And so what we do, what you and I do, is exactly what the nation of Israel did. We forfeit the land of milk and honey. We forfeit the promises that God has in mind for us, the potential that he has put inside of us, the purpose that he's calling us to. We forfeit it because of the giants in our life. We say, nope, too scary, too tired, I'm done. So what happened to the nation of Israel? I wish I had a, a good ending to the story, I don't. This, this generation, man, this generation of people that did not trust God, that didn't believe in his promise that they would be empowered and that they would have connection to his power as they go into the land, they didn't believe him. And so God essentially said, fine, you want to stay paralyzed? You don't want to trust in my complete power? Then paralyzed, you will stay. You will stay in the wilderness that you, that you evidently want. You've made your bed. You can now lay in it. You will be here until this generation passes away, this unbelieving generation. That's exactly what happened. The Israelites stayed in the wilderness for 40 years until that generation, excluding the, the men that believed God and took him at his word, Joshua and Caleb, they were the only two that would go on to see the promised land out of that entire generation of Israelites. Forfeited it just gave it up because of the giants. Now, like I said, we're gonna be looking at two stories today. So that's the first one. So everything we've just discussed, I want you to not just hold on to it, I want you to get ready to compare it to what we're about to read from Luke chapter 10. So Luke chapter 10, I'll give you the background of this story. Luke chapter 10, we catch up with Jesus about two and a half years into his ministry. Two and a half years into his ministry. He is getting ready to gear up for the home stretch. In fact, in Luke chapter 9, the chapter just before we're gonna, what we're going to read today, uh, Luke actually tells us that Jesus, with determination, started to set his sights and set his course towards Jerusalem. He knew that the cross was just months away. And so with that in mind, it's almost as if he is getting his disciples ready for the fact he's not going to be here in a physical presence anymore. So what he does is he starts sending them off on their own. In Luke 9, he sends off his 12 disciples. Then in Luke 10, what we're about to read, uh, he sends off 72 of his followers, sends them into towns that he's about to go. Uh, he sends them off to kind of prepare the way, to let people know the kingdom of God is near, to heal the sick, and to do ministry in these areas. Now, as we read this, as we leak, uh, read Luke uh, chapter 10, I want you to just try to compare in your head this story, this narrative, with the one that we just read. So here we go, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse one. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Jesus just giving the marching orders here. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Jumping down to verse 16. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. So in this moment, Jesus sends his 72 followers off. They go off and do ministry. And then the very next verse tells us their report when they come back. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. 
He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, and I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I love this verse, verse 21. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, and you've revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Man, couldn't this be said to the people who have seen the 40 years of history at Cornerstone? Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And wanted to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. The similarities between Numbers 13 and Luke 10 are crazy. It's crazy. They are all over the place. These are two different narratives written by two different people over thousands of years of time. And look at how these stories line up. Let's look at Numbers 13 first and just see the different aspects of the stories. Let's start with the first part. God instructs his people to take the land. He tells them, hey, I'm giving you this land. You're gonna go in and take possession. The next part of the story, God lets them know, hey, the land is ripe. The land is ripe, but there are giants. There will be opposition. There will be struggle. And then the last part. But God promises people, you do not have to worry. You can take possession of the land. You don't have to worry. You will be empowered for victory. Now let's look at Luke 10. Look at Luke 10. Let's see the aspects of this story. Jesus instructs his disciples to take the harvest, right? The harvest is plentiful. It's plentiful. Number two, says the harvest is ripe, but hey, I'm sending you out like a lamb among wolves. You have got to be careful while you're out there. There are wolves in the land. And then the last part, but don't worry because I have given you all authority. You are empowered for victory. No one will be able to harm you. I have to imagine that Jesus's followers, many of whom were Jewish people, they grew up in a, grew up in a Jewish culture, had an idea of Jewish history. They had to have known this correlation. They had to have, as they're getting sent out, thinking like, man, this kind of reminds us of that story we, we learned growing up. This kind of reminds me of Moses and, and the spies scouting the land and them not believing in God. And I feel like knowing that story might have helped Jesus' followers to make a different decision. Because as similar as these stories are, as similar as they are, and they're incredibly similar, right? They follow along the same track for a long time. They split at a fork in the road. And the differentiating factor between these two stories are one group decided to trust their connection in God and the other group didn't. One group decided to trust their connection to God and the other group didn't. The Israelites consumed with giants. The followers of Jesus confident in God. That is the difference. That is where the stories do not look like each other anymore. That's where they part. That's where things get wildly, wildly different. Jesus' followers, they actually took Jesus at his word. They believed that what he said was true and that he would actually give them power. Think about this. This is, this is so key. Jesus' followers didn't just believe that Jesus would be with them. That's one thing. They believed that Jesus was actually empowering them. 
That it's not, yeah, let, let's go somewhere and then let's, okay, Jesus, now, now you take care of it. No, that Jesus was actually giving them power to take care of things. They believed that they were truly empowered by Jesus and that his power, the same power that drove out demons, the same power that healed the sick was accessible to them. You see, as Pastor Brenda's been getting ready to uh, step down, I gotta be completely honest, this has been the easiest transition in the world for me. Like, this has been super, super easy, um, and it's because I've, I've been able to kind of practice at it for a while. Um, if, if you know uh, our church history for just a little bit, uh, starting at the uh, beginning of the year in January, Pastor Brenda was uh, overseas in the Middle East uh, uh, in the Holy Land doing a tour over there. And so she was out for the majority of the month. So I was kind of handling lead pastor duties during that time. The very next month, February, uh, if you remember, Pastor Brenda had a health scare. She had a bleeding ulcer that was uh, very scary, very uh, crazy time. And so that had her out of commission for a good part of February. And then March... COVID, right? Like COVID happens. And Pastor Brenda, with her health scare, had been in high risk, uh, a high risk person. And so she hadn't been able to interact in certain ways. And so for a good portion of the year, I have been acting lead pastor for a while now. One of the things that made it so unbelievably easy for me was at the beginning of all of this, Pastor Brenda sent out an email to the Cornerstone staff, to the leadership board, to our stewards, and to our ministry partners. You want to know what the email said? This is what it said. If Pastor Jacob says or makes any decision, it's as if I were saying or making that decision. I am giving him my full authority and I'm giving him my full decision-making power to do what he sees fit during this time. If you need anything, go to him because he has the power to handle it. Because she did that, I was able to just work in confidence Because she did that, I didn't have to, anytime something came up my way, anytime a giant or a wolf of a decision came in front of me, I didn't have to sit back in complete paralysis and go, I don't don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't don't know how I should handle this. Do I need to go get past Brent? Like, I didn't have to do that because she already told me, my authority and my power to make decisions, I am giving it to you. You already have it. So because of that, I have been able to work in confidence. I've been able to work boldly. I've been able to make decisions without fear that they won't go through or that something will happen because I have had that power. And I've had that power. The whole reason I've had that is because me and Pastor Brenda have a solid connection. We have a solid, solid connection. The same is true in even greater ways about our relationship with our heavenly father. The same is true. We have his power. We have his authority. We do. Jesus has given us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have power. We do. You may not feel like it. You may feel powerless a lot of days, but you have been empowered by God. So what that means is those greater than that God's calling you to, the greater than that you need to be pursuing in your life, the greater relationships, the greater marriage, the greater finances, the greater everything, those things, if you actually work with God and you trust your connection, they're not a matter of if, they're a matter of when. Not if I'll get greater, when you'll get greater. Not if I'll see breakthrough, when you'll see breakthrough. Not if God will come through, when God will come through. It's going to happen. It's going to happen if you keep your connection 
with God, if you keep your connection to power. So here is the last thing I'm gonna say today. If we as a church, if we as individual people, if we are going to step into the promises of God, we've got to tap into the power of God. If we're gonna step into what God has in mind for us, those greater things that he has in mind, if we want that, man, we're gonna have to tap into his power. We have to, because like I said earlier, God is the God of greater, not the God of good enough. He is the God of greater. So whatever you think you want in your life, God's got something greater planned for you. And you cannot do it on your own. You can't. I can't do it on my own. As a church, we cannot do it on our own. It is too much for us. On our own, the, the giants, man, the wolves, they'll eat us up if we're on our own. Cornerstone Church, I think about our vision as a church, what we want to do. Man, I mean, we, we want to see explosive just growth and, and moving for the kingdom of God in the, the days and the months and the weeks and the years to come. Like, that's what we want to see happen. We want to see Cornerstone churches all over the place. We want to see people finding the father, a family, and a fulfilling future all over Northeast Ohio. We want school boards to change. We want uh, school systems to change. We want communities to change. We want marriages to be fixed, addictions to be broken. We want all of that to happen. Do you think you can do it on your own? I know I can't. (laughs) I know me and the staff can't. I know me, the staff, and the leadership board, and our ministry partners, and our stewards We can't do it. That is too much for us to do on our own. Thank God we're not on our own. Thank God we're not on our own. Thank God we have access to a power greater than our own. We have access to the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Why don't you put that in the chat? I'm not on my own. I'm not on my own. I am not on my own. God is with us. The power of God is in us. And our choice is, are we going to choose to believe like Jesus' followers did, or are we gonna follow the path of the nation of Israel? Are we gonna believe that, yes, Jesus has empowered me and his power is coursing through my veins? Or are we gonna go the route of the Israelites and go, no, I, I, I can't believe it. The giants are too big. The wolves are too scary. I'm too tired. I'm too scared. I can't fight. What are we going to decide. You and me, we have got to remember that we are empowered, that we are empowered, and that we can make the decision to fight our way into the promised land, to fight any wolves and giants that come our way, knowing that God has empowered us for victory. He's got the power. <laughs> we just have to tap into it. He's got the power. We just have to tap into it. I want to show you guys real quick. This is our old front of house camera. See that? Yikes, indeed. This thing is, it may look, you may be looking at it online like, ooh, that's, it looks like one of the ones I use on TV. Yeah, this thing actually really isn't that good anymore, like at all. Like, we used this towards the beginning of the year, and if you watch some of our, like, if you would have watched some of our old archives, um, it's just super fuzzy, not really good. Actually, all you watching on your smartphones right now, what you're watching on takes a better picture than this thing does. Like, it's that bad. So needless to say, we have decided to upgrade We've upgraded our cameras, and so we've got new cameras, and it's amazing because that's why you're able to watch in high def right now. And actually, I want to welcome our production arts director, Bryce Haney, on stage real quick. Let's give him a hand. I'm not, I am not exaggerating whenever I say that, like, just about all the, anything that you've been watching and go like, wow, that's cool. He's responsible. <laughs> he, he's fantastic. He's fantastic. And I want Bryce, the reason I've asked him on stage is I want him to share a little bit about 
our new front of house camera because this thing's nuts. Can you just tell people a little bit about it real quick? It is, oh my gosh, I, I literally cannot even take it. I love <laughs> it so much. Mind you, this old camera that we have, let me, let's grab it again. Yeah. 15 years old, we bought it used. Um, so it, so this I thing mean, could almost vote in the upcoming election. <laughs> like it's getting close. Literally. <laughs> But what, I mean, what an honor and blessing it is to have an upgrade like this. I mean, the camera body, the Metabones adapter, the lens, everything, the glass that is on this lens is exactly how you are seeing us right now. Crystal Amazing. clear. And this is how we're doing church. And that yes. is, that's incredible. It we really will is. forever be an online church. But white balance, uh, the dynamic range, literally everything. I know you guys have no idea what I'm even talking about. <laughs> but listen, it is beyond cool. I love That's it. That's awesome. Can we give Rice a round of Thank applause you. for telling us a little bit about the camera? So it's an amazing camera. Now, like, I wish you could see it in person. Unfortunately, it's like we can't use a camera to show a picture of a camera because it's kind of like a paradox, right? Like, what do you take a picture of then? Um, but the camera, it, it looks incredible. It's so nice. Um, but here's the thing. I, I just real quick, um, can, we, can we, like, pull the plug on that real quick? Can we... On the camera, I just want to. It's good. Okay, yeah. So online right now, what are you? Uh, what are you seeing? Why don't you put it in the chat? What you're seeing? Yeah, you're you're seeing nothing, right? Like you're. It's just a black screen. It's just a black screen. All right. Can we get the uh, screen back up? Can we get the connection hooked back up? Okay. There we are. Hey, there I am again in beautiful HD, right? In beautiful HD. So w what's what's that about? Why are we talking about? A camera and what, why are we talking about the connection and blah, blah, blah. What, what, are, what are we getting at? Well, here's the thing. You just heard about how incredible this camera is, right? The dynamic range, the white balance, the, the glass on it, how great the picture is, the, the quality, everything. It's amazing. How amazing was it once it lost its connection? How amazing was that camera and all the potential that it had and all the power that it had? How good was it the second it lost its connection? Exactly. The same is true with you and with me. We have a lot of potential as a church. We have some incredible people up here on stage. Our, our tech team back here is amazing. Our volunteers, the people who are our ushers, our greeters, we have some incredible people at Cornerstone, some incredible, incredible people. But you know what? Our own talent, our own incredible nature doesn't mean anything if our connection is not solid. If our connection to God is not solid, it is all meaningless. But if our connection is solid, well then look out. <laughs> because if our connection is solid, John 14, 12, Jesus promises one of the most absurd things you'll ever read. Jesus says, to those who believe in me, they will do greater things than I have done. Think about that for a moment. Really think about that. They will do greater things than I have done. If we stay connected to God, there is nothing that Cornerstone can't do. The land of milk and honey is achievable. The promises and the potential that God has put into our church and to us as individual people, it is achievable, but only with him. Only with him, only with a strong connection. So I wanna ask you again, how's your connection? How's your connection? Are you connected to God? Are you connected to him? If you aren't right now as a church, what we are going to do together is we are going to join together 
as one church body calling upon the Lord, telling him of our need for our connection to him, that we have got to be connected to him if we wanna see anything good. Thank you guys for joining us today. I wanna encourage you, please connect with us. Please connect with us. Let us know that you were here. If you've made a decision for Jesus, you've decided you are going to trust in your connection to him, please let us know about it. Uh, Journey starting point, the host is gonna be posting a link. Let us know. Do not close out this window. Don't close your computer or your phone until you do that. Connect with us at Journey Starting Point so we can let you know what your next steps of following Jesus look like. Also, uh, make sure you're back here next week. Make sure you're back here as we continue this series, uh, uh, Milk and Honey, Giants and Wolves, and we continue to look at what it looks like for us to believe God, to take him at his word, and to hold on to the promises that he has made for us. Man, I am so excited that you guys were here. You can now receive the blessing of the Lord. May Jesus Christ, our God and our King forever be with you this day and every day. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.